the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. Every day you should like wake up and reach out to somebody and just send them an, a little voice memo or text or something and just be like, hey, I'm thinking about that time that we were at the place where we did the thing and whatever happened and it was really great and just stay on their radar. Run your law firm the right way. This is the Maximum Liar Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking. And I'm Tyson Mutrix. What's up, Jimmy? Oh, Tyson, just had a great weekend up in Chicago with my son for his birthday. September is both our birthday month, so we've been celebrating all month. I like it. I saw that. Uh, didn't you all go to Chicago or something like that? Did I see pictures of that? Yeah, we saw the Cardinals play the Cubs up in Wrigley. It was a five-hour game, and the Cardinals emerged victorious. That's right. They all, all they do is win, win, win these days. I love it. It's fantastic. Hey, speaking of winning, we got a real winner on our show today. Her name's Jess Burke, and we're really excited to have her. I first met Jess, in all, of all places, on stage. She was presenting at the Clio Conference last year in New Orleans. And then I ran into her again at Mike Whalen's conference down in Austin. And since then, we've become fast friends. She's a nonprofit lawyer up in Minnesota, and she's got a lot of cool things going on. So we wanted to have her on the show. Jess, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. You totally saved my butt at that uh, Clio presentation, too. I desperately needed a volunteer. So you were my hero right away. Yeah, it was fun. Well, that's the first and last time you'll ever hear that, Jimmy. So that's good. I want to clip that one off. <laughs> That's good. All right. So Jess, uh, let's jump right in. T talk about what you all do, how you got there. Talk about your backstory. I think you know the routine by now. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm a lawyer. I'm a solo. I have a small team of people around me, but I'm the only lawyer and I work with charities. So anything from, you know, pet rescue to summer camps to, PTA groups or youth athletic leagues or churches, you name it, I work with them. I'm in Minnesota and I got into the nonprofit lawyering gig because I grew up watching too much Law and Order. <laughs> um, I really thought I wanted to be a criminal trial attorney when I was a student and I was, was very like much going down that road and I clerked for a judge and I worked at the county attorney's office and I worked for a criminal defense firm. Um, but once I kind of got into the 
the uh, judicial clerk role and started seeing court all day, every day, I, I pretty quickly realized that it wasn't for me. And then the recession happened and there were no jobs. <laughs> so I went back to school and got a master's in nonprofit management and never thought I'd be a lawyer after that. But here I am. And so how did that take shape? How did you start as a nonprofit lawyer? Did you have any mentors in that space? So, you know, going to grad school for a master's in nonprofit management, I got really embedded into the nonprofit professional community here in the Twin Cities where I live. And then I ended up getting a job after I graduated that was not strictly lawyering, but not strictly administrative either. Um, I, I worked for a national conser wildlife conservation organization I was looking for someone to join their accounting team that had a lot of contracts experience. You know, and to listen to my old boss tell the story, it was something like, you know, he put out the job ad and 128 lawyers applied and he realized he could get an attorney and ended up hiring me. So, you know, he was really my main mentor um, in learning the ins and outs of like what it really means to run a national scale nonprofit, deal with funders, deal with grants, deal with staff. So that's kind of how I cut my teeth. And then when I left for private practice, um, I had joined up with another woman who also does nonprofit law. And we worked together for three or four years. And then I hung my own shingle. And that was almost four years ago. So yeah. All right, Jess. So you're, I, I, I'm fascinated by what you do because you're dealing with an industry that I'm assuming is it's all about struggling with the money because they're always trying to get the money, the money going to the right places, and they don't want to waste money. And so, how do you deal with clients that are? Uh, I mean, a lot of it is about the money. I mean, it's 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 different. I know that our, our, like our criminal defense clients, they really they really care about money, but like your if you think about what a nonprofit is, they are all about getting money and resources to the right places. And so, like, what do, you, do your clients struggle with things like that? And how do you deal with it? Nonprofits are some of the thriftiest possible clients you could ever have. They can be a challenge. I mean, part of the reality is at this point, in my practice, I'm not really working with anybody who has a problem paying for legal services. Um, I have a really robust like screening process where I figure out if this potential client is going to be a good fit for me. And one of the factors on that sheet is whether they hire professionals when they need them or if they view legal services as sort of a necessary evil, or if they have like, uh, I'd rather do it myself and just have you look at it real quick mentality. Um, so I really am lucky that um, I have great clients who have resources and, and want to pay for professionals to help them. But I think that, you know, absolutely, like they can be difficult. And it's, it's often like, well, we have to push that project off until after the first of the year because we just don't have the funds right now, or that's not part of our approved budget, or we need to go out and fundraise so that we can get this done. I mean, those are all real struggles that my clients have. 
just like, you know, really anybody else. Jess, talk to us a little bit more about that scorecard. I know that you you spent a lot of time developing that with your wing woman. And I know that a lot of our listeners would be interested in it. This is something that you use to try to figure out, not, not that they're going to hire you, but whether you're going to let them hire you, right? I have a really great closing rate and I charge for my consultations. So if somebody books a consultation with me, it's already very likely that they're going to want to hire me. Um, so in a sense, I am using my scoring process to filter out clients that are not a good fit. And, and that's not just for my own mental health, which is important, but also because I offer subscription legal services and I do everything on a flat fee basis, I really need to avoid clients that are going to like completely be the 20% of the Pareto rule where they just drain you of all of your time and energy. Um, Cause I need to be really efficient. And I, I also really care about working with people who fit a certain profile um, or organizations who fit a certain profile. So the card basically was passed to me as a screening, a client, potential client screening scorecard that was given to me by a friend of mine who went to an ABA family law conference and he's a family law attorney. And I basically took that and started modifying it for my clients. Okay, and so let me back up. These are scored on a scale of zero to five. Zero or one is good, five is like runaway screaming. So it's like golf, you want to have a low score, a very low score means it's a really great lead. Okay, so one of the things on the card is have you worked with another attorney? Like what number attorney am I for you? Am I the first attorney you've contacted? Am I the second attorney you've worked with? Am I the third? Am I the fourth? Because for each additional attorney you've worked with, especially in family law, you know this is a problem. So if you're meeting with a new client and they're telling you, oh, yeah, my first lawyer was like this and I fired them and then I worked with this other person and they were like this and I fired them and now I'm here to work with you, you should be like, uh-oh, like this person's going to be hard to work with. So I don't have that exact issue with my clients, right? So you can see how that would apply um, that didn't apply for me, so I took it out and put in something else, but you can see the whole principle. So you know what those things are for you, and now those are key indicators that you can actually tally up and score and have a real number. What's great about it for me, and I think this probably applies to you, Jim, too, because you have a big heart and you like to help people, is, you know, I, I tend to be really idealistic and optimistic and I get excited about like, oh, I want to help this person with their cool mission. But like if they're a raging narcissist or um, there's other red flags, um, if I am feeling like I need groceries, I might take the case anyway. And the scoring actually helps me be a lot more objective because Megan, my wing woman, and I have pre-agreed that these things are positives and these things are negatives. And so having an objective number to have to wrestle with and talk about um, really helps me sort of keep my feet on the ground and not be so like, I just want to help everyone with their cool, do-good missions, if that makes sense. 
That makes perfect sense. I've got so many questions I want to ask you, and I'm hoping I'm gonna I'm gonna wait on this one question I really want to ask you about. Hopefully, Jim doesn't steal it from me. But I, you mentioned something about you know taking in clients and things like that. So I do want to ask you about this with with who you target as a firm, and you have a really badass website. It's really cool. Do most of your clients come in through the website, or do they find you through word of mouth? How does that work with with, with who you target as a client? That's a great question. I feel like that's the million dollar question for every law firm that's not got an in-house marketer. Like, where the hell do these people come from? Um, I think that I do get a lot of word of mouth. But I know that the first thing that people do when they hear about you is Google your name. So... Sometimes it's very clear, oh, so-and-so told me to contact you, or here's an introduction from this person I know, and then it's really obvious. Sometimes, though, I feel like they're saying they found me online, but maybe they heard my name somewhere, or they saw a YouTube video or something like that. I don't have great data on like exactly where people come from, but I think that it's probably... 60 40 referrals versus internet i really don't spend money on online ads so it's just content marketing strategy right now so it's like did you see a piece of content did i make a youtube video did i have an article that you found and then you ended up here or does someone i know actually hand out my card to you i i wish i had better data on it Let's talk a little bit about that event when I did meet you, when you were on stage with Megan Xavier, who's also been on the show, talking about uh, creating uh, content or courses for potential clients. Talk to us a little bit about what you created, the work that went into it, and how it's been working out. Sure. So I've made all kinds of stuff. Um, Some of it has worked. Some of it has not worked as well. The presentation I did with Megan Xavier at Clio was about making online courses and sort of um, productizing the knowledge that's already in your head. So the way that came up for me was that I meet with potential clients and do these consultations. And I basically just repeat myself for like an hour every time. You know, I go over the same topics, I answer the same questions, I sort of review the same issues with people over and over again. And I thought to myself, well, you know, I could really package this up and productize it into an educational piece and sell it beyond Minnesota. Um, So I made that and had a real fun time making it and then a real bad time marketing it because as you know, you and I have talked about, Jim, I have had a real hard time finding people who are thinking about starting a nonprofit. There's not a one single life event or one single Facebook status or whatever that you can sort of like target ads to for that. Um, So that has actually recently turned into an upgrade to my consult. So it's like on the sales page for my consultation, it's like a nonprofit strategy session, come in, we'll, we'll form, formulate a plan. Oh, by the way, if you would like, you can upgrade your strategy session with my online course for an additional couple hundred bucks. And then you'll get all of this information from me 
and we'll really get to the meat and potatoes during our strategy session. If you don't want to upgrade, that's fine. No worries. We'll cover this stuff together, but it's just, it's up to them if they want to really maximize their time with me. So that's kind of how that works. And then, you know, there's just a bunch of other videos and articles and my subscription portal and whatever else that I've made. All right, Jess, Jess for my next question, it's going to seem like it may be out of left field, but I, I just want to ask you about this. You wrote a really cool blog post in April about being a good friend. Um, and the title of it is, Are You a Good Friend? And I think it's a really, I, I just love the idea of it. Will you talk a little, bit, a little bit about that and where you got that idea from? Somebody had been talking about leaving little voice recordings for their friends. And I just thought that that was a really cool concept. I like that you're making me remember a post that I wrote in April as if I have all that shit memorized. Don't, don't you love that? I, well, I mean, you know, but in general about it, and, I, and I, know, I know it's way out of left field, but I, I just wanted you to talk about just the gist of it. It's just like, you know, we just get so busy. And the thing I remember from writing the post is that when I went to summer camp as a kid, I had this all these pen pals, right? And like, I made all these great friends at camp and I had this girl, Kira, and we, we called ourselves the hug patrol and we would run around camp, like giving random hugs to other campers. <laughs> and it was super awesome. And I stayed in touch with Kira and all my other pen pals for like a, a long time, like a bunch of years. But then at some point it just sort of fell off. And, you know, I think whatever high school hormones, things happened. And I feel like that's, if you don't really keep up on being a proactively good friend, that is what happens as a grown-up too, right? Like we, we get busy, we have our lives, we have families, we've got jobs, and it's like pretty soon, it's like six months have gone by and I haven't talked to you or, you know, had any sort of contact with you beyond maybe seeing your life updates through the wall of Facebook or Twitter or something. Um, so the post was really just about like, hey, like every day you should like wake up and reach out to somebody and just send them an, a little voice memo or a text or something and just be like, hey, I'm thinking about that time that we were at the place where we did the thing and whatever happened and it was really great and just stay on their radar. Um, because if you don't, then, you know, hug patrol goes away and it, that's sad. I'm glad Tyson's reading books on how to be a good friend. Maybe one of these days he'll learn how to be a good friend. <laughs> oh, no chance. No chance. Ah. Not with you at least. Yes. You got so many things going on. How do you do it with just one support person? Megan is awesome. She is not allowed to leave because she's super capable and hardworking and she's like a great Jill of all trades. Like <clears throat> I'm very able to just be like, oh, I'm going to teach myself this thing and then I'm just going to learn it and I'm going to go do it. And Megan is wired that same way. So I think we, between the two of us, like really have a great capacity. Um, but then also I'm a little bit dysfunctional where like my favorite hobby is working on my business. So when I was single a little while back and you'd go on first dates and people would be like yeah what do you do for fun and then you're sitting there being like do I tell them that it's 
work on my business because that makes me sound <laughs> super demented. Um, but that is, it is true. Like I get really excited about making a new zap. Like we made some new zap that fixed some problem the other day. And like the good feeling of making that zap lasted for like at least 48 hours, like a day and a half later, I was like, oh man, that zap is so great. So I am just really dorky about my work and get excited. And sometimes I would rather do that than do something else. But I, I also like to delegate really as much as I can. And like I if if I can learn it and figure out how it works, I like to do that one at least one time so that I know what I'm going to ask for and I know what my quality standards are going to be. But then there's a point at which I realize like, okay, and I shouldn't be doing this. So let me hire someone on Upwork or let me send this to Lockler and really maximize the freelancers around me to help me get stuff done. It's so funny. You're, you're speaking my language language with Zaps. Uh, Ryan McKean and I have been nerding out since um, Filevine's LegalX conference last week because they, they made a bunch of changes. And so now we can, we can do a bunch of stuff with Zapier, which is, freaking awesome. Oh, you have new triggers to work Oh, with. absolutely. It it's is, in the candy we're, store. Yeah. We're on this Slack group and we just keep sending, oh, I just did this. No, I did this. And then uh, Christopher Nicolason got in on the action today. So it's, we're, we're all just nerding out over it. So, that like yeah, makes I know, me want to use FileMind just so I can like talk to you guys about zaps. <laughs> it is so awesome. It's just, it's such a nerdy thing, but it's so freaking awesome. But anyway, with the, on that note though, what, what's your favorite technology? What do you, what do you enjoy working with the most? Zapier, Zapier, whatever. I mean, that is pretty damn cool though. That is gotta be right up there in my top three. And then I guess right now I really love Jotform because I'm pushing out a lot of things for client-facing interviews, client onboarding, client experience surveys, um, doing a project and breaking it down into its component pieces. Like, okay, we're going to work on, you know, we have to provide this notice to the government every time we do this kind of a project. I need to collect this information from the client. Hey, I bet we can make a chat form for this and email the client with a link. Um, so I really love chat form. And then I'm getting pretty deep into active campaign right now. We just upgraded and are going to be using the the CRM feature in active campaign. So that's pretty great. And we have a lot of things running through active campaign at the moment. And it's just easy. It it automates so much stuff. And I'm really excited to like get into the CRM features more. So those are probably my top tactics right now. All right, Jess, so where do things look like the next two, three, four years for your firm? I hate that question because I gave up on five-year plans a long time ago. <laughs> um, because, luckily, I only, only said two or three or four. Yeah, right, exactly. I would really like to continue expanding the subscription legal services offerings. We've got a really good, solid start. I think we're closing in on the end of year one for subscription services. So I think like two, three years from now, there will be no more hourly billing. Um, 
will hopefully be doing more like leveraging group subscriptions where like association management companies can offer legal services to their nonprofit association customers or something like that. I'd like to expand into that area. Um, just basically like maximizing the subscription. Jess, so I want you to think about this for a second. And what is some, because you're, you're just so positive. I just, I, I love it. You just, you just seem so positive and so great. What is something though that you, you really, really struggle with? And maybe you're perfect. Maybe it's nothing. Hell no. I mean, <clears throat> last year, Jim got me to cry on the airplane back from Texas because I was struggling so hard because I had put so much time and effort into my online course and had sort of like tanked my revenue at that time. But I've really turned that ship around, which is really great. So right now, I think the struggle... You don't, I don't have any like deep psychological struggles right now. Like last year, you know, I put my rent on a credit card four months in a row because I was just juggling everything so close to the line. Um, but right now my struggle is really building the airplane while flying it. Like I feel like Megan and I are constantly creating new systems and iterating and making version 9.2 and version 9.3. And we have like everything is going all at the same time and I would love to be able to like you know bring in another person or something but the revenue is just not quite there to do that so I think the struggle of like how do I scale this or like how do I get to that next level um that's kind of the struggle right now so it's, it's a good struggle because it's working and we're building it and we're always like, it's working, like things are going well, but it's also really hard, which I think is hard for our morale when it's just like the bottomless pile of things that you know you need to improve upon. I remember that conversation on the plane and, and I think, you know, you, you've been a great member of the guild so far and, and there have been a couple of times where people have had sort of breakthroughs like that tied in with emotion and I think sometimes and you've encouraged people through that moment I think channeling back to that plane ride and and just how there has to be that sort of breakdown but sort of like an acknowledgement of reality and then things sort of take off after that yeah I really firmly believe that we have stories that we tell ourselves or limiting scripts that we run in our head like I can't do this because X prevents me from moving forward. And that's why on the plane back from lawyer forward, you were like, you just have to admit that you don't want to do these projects. And that's why there's this backlog and you should be delegating and you're not. And I apparently really needed to hear that and then cry and just sort of freak out and be like, oh, so I absolutely think that as attorneys, we're not encouraged to sort of do those things or be open or vulnerable or sort of like even investigate our own internal scripts and psychology. There's something about the culture of lawyering that really discourages that. And so I think both through the podcast, through just you being you guys and through the guild, like I love that you bring that out 
and encourage that because I think it's it's the thing that helps you get through to the next place, you know, or or fix the thing that's not working. So thank you again. <laughs> I love you. Ah, thanks. You're pretty awesome yourself. All right. On that note, I hate to end on that note, but I, I do need to wrap things up. Um, before I do, I want to remind everyone to go to the Facebook group. People like Jess are in the Facebook group and sharing every day. It's an amazing place to be. So go there, um, get involved. And then if you don't mind going to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast, give us a five-star review, help us spread the word. I would really appreciate it. Jimmy, what is your hack of the week? So I'm really excited about this week's hack. It comes from my colleague at the office, Ash Moore. She came across this website. So do you ever have a problem where when you print out something like maybe an article from the Post-Dispatch or some other newspaper or and it prints all the ads and everything else and the formatting looks like crap and you feel bad for wasting a lot of paper, Tyson? Uh, no, because I do not print articles. I read them on my phone. But anyways, I, I get the point. Go ahead. Like for our asylum cases, we have to print a lot of like news stories and country conditions updates and the formatting is always bad and you always end up using 10 times pieces of paper than you really need. If you go to printfriendly.com, you can put in the URL and then it formats just the text out of the article and that way you're not wasting paper. Well, that's good. We, we don't like wasting papers. Um, I, I, I do. So what we normally do is we'll, if it's a something for a case, like an injury case, we'll save the the article is a PDF, so we don't normally have that problem, but I, I get it. But if, especially if it just removes all the ads completely, I can see that how that would be great. That's really good. Um, all right, Jess, so what is your tip or hack of the week? My tip of the week, this is deep, in Zapier, Zapier, whatever. I want to call it Zapier. But call it Zapier. Just call it Zapier, Zapier or something ridiculous. Zapier. Yeah. I recently learned that you can filter and like suck out information. So if I get an email from my contact form or I send an email or an email hits a deleted folder and it has certain information in it that you want, you can actually say like contact form email, um, filter out just that person's email address so that I can automatically add them to active campaign or um, just filter out their phone number. And for a few applications in our firm that has like saved so much human effort in the last week or so that I'm like completely nerding out about Zapier's filtering. <laughs> Yeah, and then the have you have you seen the path? So you've you've got the filtering, you've got the paths or whatever they call. I mean, like it's yeah, the conditional formatting. It's just amazing. It's really cool. Crazy, crazy good. Yeah. That's a good one. All right, so I am going to recommend a podcast that I just finished listening to. Um, it's called Land of the Giants. It's really cool. The first season talks about Amazon, the rise of Amazon, and it 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 really gets in, into the nitty gritty. You know taking care of employees, logistics, a bunch of things. Um, and it's told in a really awesome way. And so I think it, I really recommend it. It's really cool. Um, Land of the Giants, it's a fun one to listen to. All right, Jess, thanks so much for coming on. It's been a lot of fun. We really, 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 really appreciate it. 
Thanks for having me. You guys are great. I love the Facebook group. I tell everybody about it because it's just a great place to be. Thanks, Jess. Bye, guys. Thanks so much. Bye. Have a good week. We'll see you. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your hosts and to access more content, go to MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time.